we're going to be talking about Moses. And I find it interesting how um, in what we call the New Testament, there's references to the, to the area that we've been studying over the last few months. And a lot of times what you'll hear is the law and the prophets, right? It's interesting how every once in a while you hear, instead of the law, Moses. Moses said, and Moses wrote, Moses and the prophets. Now, wait a minute. Isn't Moses a prophet? He is a prophet. In fact, some people would argue he's the greatest prophet. And I think God really has a special place for Moses in his heart. I mean, if you read texts like Numbers 12, verse 7, where the Lord says after this huge argument, uh, he is the most trusted in all of my house. There is no prophet like Moses whom I speak with face to face. Nobody's really like Moses. We've been, we've been studying this guy. I mean, and I'm just every single week blown away at the remarkable life that this guy lived. I mean, his name means drawn out. And that's exactly what he was. He was drawn out of a river as a baby. And, and that's exactly what he did through his whole life. Is he drew people out from the ten plagues to the ten commandments. From Mount Sinai to Mount Nebo. He's drawn us out. And I'm sad to say... Today's the last day we're going to be studying for Moses. So we're going to rip it off like a band-aid and skip all the way to Deuteronomy. Uh, <laughs> since last week we were in Exodus. And um, I think it's just appropriate maybe that if we look at, as we say farewell to Moses, we look at his farewell speech to Israel. Um, so we're going to go right in the middle of Deuteronomy. And so just by... Uh, introduction to Deuteronomy. We're coming into this letter. It's the fifth book of the Bible, and it's, it's different than uh, some of the other things that we've read about uh, regarding Moses. Deuteronomy is three, three long speeches that he gives to the children of Israel as his kind of farewell, last chance uh, to, to last speak now or forever hold your peace kind of deal. And I want us to realize something about Deuteronomy. I mean, yeah, you've got things like the Shema that we talk about all the time in chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You've got a recap of the Ten Commandments. You've got a recap of pretty much everything that, they, that God has done for them. But what you don't have in Deuteronomy, I think, speaks a lot. When you get somebody who, who, has, who knows they're about to die, what they really value really comes out. And in Deuteronomy, we don't have a staff that turns into a snake. We don't have a parting of the Red Sea. We don't have any of the miracles that we've seen in this miraculous, crazy life from Moses. We have the very thing that Moses was commissioned to do by God since Exodus chapter 3. He speaks. And I want to say that because I want to know if you've been listening to the word of God and if your heart's open to the word of God. And, and yes, we have vision. Uh, yes, we have the burning bush. Yes, we have signs and wonders and miracles and all these things in this story. But none of them are without the word. All of them 
are meant to confirm the word. If they don't believe you, Moses, then uh, put your hand in your shirt and it'll turn leprous. To confirm what I said is true. This is about the word. And this is Moses speaking. Even this man who says, you know, I'm not eloquent. I I don't have anything. I can't say stuff good. (laughs) This is him speaking. I find it totally interesting how last week in Exodus 34, when you think you wouldn't hear God say anything, Moses just said, show me your glory. What happens? He puts him in the rock. He passes by. Then he says something. (laughs) The Lord, I am the Lord. Slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. He's, he's got to say something. Have you been listening to the voice this season that we traveled through with the life of Moses? And before we read what he says, I think it would be fair to ask who's he talking to and when's he saying this and where are they at. Um, so I got a map. I thought about bringing a real map, but then I go, we have a screen. Okay, so last week, down here, we've, in this area uh, where the green cartoon mountain is, uh, that's St. Catherine. There's, there's pl- Nobody knows where Mount Sinai is. This is the Sinai Peninsula. You probably knew that. So just think somewhere down there is where Rod was last week. And seven days ago for us, yes, was... 40 years ago for these guys in our verse today. And 400 miles all the way up to the Medaba Plateau in Moab. That's where Ruth was from. You probably know in Jordan, that bubble I put there at Mount Nebo, at the base of Mount Nebo is where we're at today. 400 miles as the crow flies and 400 years later. Geographically, that's where we are. I don't read 40 years lightly. Because I'm not even 40 years old. I don't even know how long that is. 40 years. I can't even comprehend that. Not only... Where were they for these 40 years? I got another picture I took of the Negev, the lower desert area of Israel. That's where they were. You can look at that as long as you want. 40 years out there in the dusty, in the dry desert. I have a friend who made a few mistakes in his late teens, and he lost his driver's license, and then paid what he was supposed to pay, went to the meetings he was supposed to go to, did everything right, changed his life around, and every year he goes back to get evaluated, and he still gets denied to get his license. It's been six years. Six years. It's a totally different person now. I can't even imagine waiting for 40 years thinking, how long? How long are we going to be out here? How long am I going to feel this pain? How long? God even says how long sometimes. How long am I going to be with you guys? I just want to snap my fingers and get rid of you. He's even sick of them. How long? They've had so many plagues. I've lost track. The, the quail that came and, and they were so greedy and ate it and it was making them sick while it was still in their teeth, it says. The, the water that they finally found and as they drank it, it was bitter. Give me a break. They don't even talk about the Dead Sea in the story, but I know it's there. You can't drink it. It's like 600% salt. 
It's a, you're in the desert and you see this beautifully huge lake and you think water. It's not water. It's salt plus some. <laughs> Keep it sinking it. That would make me fr- that would make me frustrated. Not to mention, not to mention, the mouth of the earth just opens up at one point and starts swallowing people. Just when you think it doesn't get any worse, snakes come out and are biting them, and there's venom, and, and, it, and they're all get, dying. And six months ago, our high priest. Think of everything that Will talked about two weeks ago. Our high priest Aaron died. He means a lot to the community. He's been there from the beginning. Three months before that, our matriarch and prophetess, the mother, the spiritual mother of this nation, Miriam, died. Wave after wave, hit after hit, not to mention Every single person over the age of 20, when the spies went in, has died. They've had to say goodbye over and over and over and over again. And now they have to say goodbye to Moses. What are you going to say? What's he going to say? What can anyone say, let alone somebody who is not very good at saying things? What could somebody string together some sentiment that would revive the spirit of a group of people that have seen and had so much pain? This is, Deuter- uh, this is Moses' final shot to leave some hope as a legacy for these people. So turn to Deuteronomy 18. It's on page 154. Or 138, if you have a blue Bible like mine. 154, if you have one of the new ones. <laughs> Sometimes that's confusing. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, one verse today. So stand to your feet for Deuteronomy 18, verse 15. The Lord, this is Moses speaking to Israel. The Lord, your God, will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brothers. Listen to him. You may not see this as a very hopeful verse just yet. We give it a minute. And I aim to, at some point, hopefully give you some hope and encouragement to be able to trust in a God who has someone coming for us. So pray with me. Pray out of Deuteronomy 32, Moses' last song. Listen, O heavens, and I will speak. Hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. Let my teaching fall like rain, and my words descend like the dew. Like the showers on new grass, like abundant rain on tender tender plants. For I will proclaim the name of the Lord, and praise the greatness of our God. For he is our rock, his works are perfect, and his ways are just. In a desert land he found us, in a barren and howling wasteland. He shielded us, and cared for us, and guarded as the apple of his eye. God, that's so true. You meet us out here in the, in the Negev. You meet us in the desert. So let your word fall on us like dew, like rain on a dry and parched ground. Revive our spirits and give us some hope, the hope that you planted inside of your church, the hope that's supposed to be there. I thank you for your word. It's a treasure to me.
In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I don't want to be presumptuous. I hope I don't come off as presumptuous. Uh, but I'm going to circle this verse in three different, uh, with three different kind of questions. And by presumptuous, I don't want to just think we all know what a prophet is. Or that we know what they know what a prophet is. Uh, so what's a prophet? Number two, who is Moses? It's a fair question. I will raise up for you a prophet like me. Listen to him. Number three, why should I listen to him? It's easy enough, right? So number one, what's a prophet? The Lord will raise up for you a prophet. I think that they knew what a prophet was, but do we? I'm going to take my word for it. Uh, they just came out of Egypt, or they came out of Egypt, and there was a time in Egypt where there was a lot of this prophet stuff going on, and a lot of this spiritual stuff going on. Uh, remember Exodus 7 verse 1, where God says to Moses, see, I will make you as God to Pharaoh, and Aaron will be your prophet. Uh, the first prophet in the Bible is Abraham, believe it or not. When he goes into Gerar for Abimelech, and says, this is my sister, Sarah, you know, uh, God speaks to Abimelech and says, let him have his wife back, for the man is a prophet. What's a prophet? Biblically speaking, a prophet is somebody who speaks the word of God, who, who has the message. A prophecy is the message, uh, is the word. I find, like, a prophet looks to me a lot like a trumpet. My dad is a trumpet, trumpeteer. I don't know if that's the right word. My brother plays the trumpet. My other brother plays the saxophone. And I know absolutely nothing about wind instruments. Uh, I can't even pronounce the word embouchure. And it's just like <laughs> the trumpet is so beautiful. Well, just look at a trumpet. No trumpet ever played anything. It's just a trumpet. What's a trumpet without the breath? What's a prophet without the word of God? I've got to stay on track here. What's a prophet without the word of God? Okay, uh, look at verse 16 and following, and this kind of helps us see the importance of the voice of God. For this is what you asked the Lord at Horeb or Sinai on the day of the assembly, when you said, let us hear the voice, let us not hear the voice of the Lord our God, nor see this great fire anymore, or we will die. Verse 17, the Lord said to me, what they say is good. I'll raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. I will put my word in his mouth. He will tell them everything I command. And anyone who does not listen to my words that the prophet speaks in my name, I will call him to account. This is a prophet. A prophet is all about the word of God. At some point um, in the chronicles of your faith and in the, in, on your spiritual journey, you're going to have to come to the grips with the reality of the prophet. The prophet is the intersection of the physical world and the spiritual world. We're talking about God speaking through someone. We're going to have to realize that that's a spiritual act. And this is a spiritual faith. And then that makes this a spiritual word. If you remove the, the spiritual side of this, you, you, don't, you don't believe in that. You don't have this. You don't have, what do you have? This is a word of God. The word of God. 
All you have is your own word and your own thought. What can you do? Maybe think of some subjective moral philosophy that lasts for about one second and then the wind blows the other way. This is an ancient thing. This is the, living, the word, in God, a word of God that's alive. Grass withers, flowers fade, but the word of God will last forever. And the bottom line with this whole prophet word of God thing, I think, too, is to realize that I need a God who speaks. I need a God who says things. I have deep longings and deep needs and deep fears that need to be addressed and need to be spoken to. A God who says, I am the first and the last, the beginning and the end. I declare the end from the beginning. Who is like me? I need to hear him. If you read the Bible one time, you'll see on the very first page, and the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep, and God said. It's the first thing you learn about him is he says things. Nothing else says, no other God can say anything. I need a God who speaks. And I look around the world, I look around the room, and I see deep needs that need to get spoken to. People in the dark night of the soul that need to hear something. There's more of a connection between the spiritual world and the physical world than we let on in 2014 Enlightenment era. And Moses is willing to address that. That's what this chapter is about. Don't take my word for it. Let me show you. Look at verse 9. When you enter the land the Lord your God has given you, don't imitate the detestable ways of the nations there. Let no one be found among you who sacrifices his own son or daughter in the fire, who practices divination or sorcery, who interprets omens and engages in witchcraft or casts spells, or who is a medium or a spiritist, or who consults the dead. People are looking for answers. People are, have always been looking for answers. Somebody's got to be out there. Somebody speak to me. And you may say, Dan, Mike, I've never been a part of no Ouija board. I'd be right there with you. I, don't, I would need one in order to spell Ouija. I don't even, I don't know anything about that. But I think it goes a little bit deeper than stuff like that. And I know that because, remember the story of Saul uh, when he was rejected as king? He's the Benjamite who's going to defeat the uh, Amalekites, right? That would awesome. He was supposed to destroy everything, though. But he didn't. He kept some of the stuff for himself. Because, hey, maybe we'll make a sacrifice to the Lord with this stuff. But really, he just wanted to keep it. Here's my point. Samuel comes up to him and says, it's not the Lord's, it's not better for sacrifices and offerings than to obey the voice of the Lord. And then he says, for rebellion, rebellion is like the sin of divination. Rebellion is like the sin. If he likens uh, sorcery to rebellion, all of us know a little bit about rebellion. All of us know deep down that there's a rebellion that we were born into and that we have done. And I think that 
that search of the rebellious heart is just as bad as sorcery because you're really just trying to, to seek out some deeper spiritual satisfaction meaning. I mean, maybe in verse 9, you're not sacrificing your children to the fire, I hope. Um, but maybe it looks different for you. Maybe it's career the God-named career that you've been sacrificing everything for. Maybe it's pleasure. Maybe it's the God of satisfaction. Maybe it's the God of knowledge that you've been sacrificing so much for. And we sacrifice. We sacrifice so much to connect on that deeper level, to get our heart answered, the questions that we have. And when we do it our way, guess what? It's just like Mount Carmel all over again. Where Elijah is up there with the prophets of Baal, right? And he's just like, maybe your God is too far away. He can't hear you. Maybe he's in the bathroom. Maybe he's sleeping. Try a little bit harder. Try a little bit harder to get that answer, to get that word. And you will always hear nothing. The God of technology, the God of stuff is silent to the deepest needs of your heart. But I'm here to say, I'm not here to get anybody in trouble. I'm here to say that I know a God who speaks to the deepest needs of our hearts. I know a God who says things to the deepest desire, that, the fears that I have deep down and the questions that I have. I know a God who makes promises and keeps them. That's what this is all about. That's what the prophet is really all about. You see, the prophet says, in essence, God has a plan. You may not get the whole picture, but at least God has a plan. You need to know that this doesn't make sense right now. All of this hurts right now, but God has a plan. And that's what the prophet says. Today, it's don't worry. I will raise up a prophet for you. There was actually a people who trusted in God's promises at one point um, in the world. And you can see that. And that's why this prophecy is so significant to us. Because when you start to read the New Testament, you start to get aggravated by some things that aren't, aren't really explained all that well, right? In John chapter 1, when John the Baptist is on the scene baptizing people and people walk up to him and they start asking him if he is someone. Because <laughs> they actually believe the prophecies are, are legitimate. They go, are you the Christ? Are you the Messiah? That's a prophecy. Are you Elijah? Because there's that prophecy right in Malachi chapter 4 that there, there's an Elijah that's going to come before the Messiah. Um, no, I know who he is. He must be the prophet. And then they capitalize that P of the prophet because it's talking about this prophecy. There is a prophet who's going to come, like Moses. They even think this about Jesus. John chapter 7, when Jesus is like, I am living water, and he blows everybody away, and they go, wait a minute, I think this guy definitely is a prophet. Not John the Baptist, this guy is the prophet who is to come. (laughs) Well, who cares what they say? Um, does anybody else think that maybe Jesus is the prophet? Well, you remember Peter's sermon in Acts chapter 3, where in verse 19 he says, Repent of your sin. Let it be washed away that you may enjoy a time of refreshing from the Lord. And then verse 23, For 
Jesus is the one whom Moses spoke of when he said, I will raise up for you a prophet who is like me. Listen to him. God's got a plan. And the plan was always Jesus. The plan was always Jesus. When you read things like Jeremiah 29, 11, and you believe that God says, I have plans for you to prosper, not to harm. If you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. It's, I have plan. I've got a plan. His name is Jesus. All of my promises for you are a yes and amen in him. He was my plan. From before the creation of the world, he was the plan. I will raise up for you a prophet. Question number two, who is Moses? For the prophet's going to be like me, Moses says in verse 15, right? Okay. Well, uh, Maimonides, rabbi um, of old, said uh, that Moses was the most perfect human being who ever lived. Even Chazal, the sages of the Talmud, say that the divine presence of God dwelled in the throat of Moses. Who cares what they say? I just think that that's cool. But what's the Bible say about Moses? Well, in Deuteronomy 34, it says that there was never another prophet like Moses to arise in Israel. There's never anybody like him. Everybody else, it's just, it's different. Well, can you think of anything that is like Moses in Jesus? If you think of his story, and if you know anything about Moses' story, is there any intersecting points? There's a few, but I've got a list. I didn't bring a list. I'm not about lists. I'm not trying to puff your, your knowledge up of all the crazy cool ways that people have connected Moses and Jesus. Will and I go back and forth about who knows who's best at Bible trivia. Okay, this isn't quiz ups. This is, this is time for us to, to really consider a better question, I think. Do you know Jesus as he is like Moses. Because Moses didn't do anything for me. Moses is just, he's a guy. He, he's a part of the story of, of the Bible, okay? But Moses is just Moses. But do you know Jesus as he is like Moses? Because the New Testament says, Jesus is for you everything that Moses was for Israel and more. So do you know Moses, the prophet who speaks after 400 years of silence and slavery and bondage, Moses shows up and says, I'm here to bring the captives out. After 400 years of silence after Malachi, Jesus comes and says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me to proclaim freedom for the captives. Do you know Jesus as he is like Moses? Because he is that for you. Moses, the prophet, points us to Jesus, the prophet. Moses, the teacher, points us to Jesus, the teacher. Moses, after pa Passover, 50 days later, he goes up the mountain and he comes down with the Torah, the teaching of God to teach the people how to live a fruitful life, a fruitful God-centered life. Points us to Jesus, who 50 days after Passover brings down the Holy Spirit at Pentecost to teach us how to live a fruitful life. Christ-centered life. You know about Moses, the one who made a serpent in the wilderness and raised him up for everyone who had poison in them, everyone who had been bitten by the snake. 
And Jesus says in John chapter 3, verse 14, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up so that all who look on him will have eternal life. You got poison. You got poison in you, sin, something in your veins right now. Do you know that you can look to Jesus and he will be for you what Moses was with the snake? He'll heal you. And he whom the Son sets free will be free. You know about practical Moses who brings bread and brings water uh, you know, out in the wilderness. At least that's what the, the people in the New Testament say. Moses gave us bread. Well, Jesus cares about practical things too. Do you know him as that? Uh, we're out in the Judean wilderness learning from Jesus and we forgot to pack a lunch. And Jesus says, I got this. Give me some bread. Give me some fish. I will feed everyone. I care about your practical needs. New Testament writer Paul he actually sees a spiritual significance to the bread and the water. Remember 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1-5. through 5, Paul says, We all ate of the same spiritual food in the wilderness. And we all drank from the same spiritual rock in the wilderness. And the rock was, do you know? 1 Corinthians 10, verse 5, The rock was Christ. Jesus is not far off from that either when he says, I am the manna. Who came down from heaven. I am the living water. Eat of me and you shall eat what you are really hungry for. Drink a glass of me and you will get what you are really thirsty for. And you'll never thirst again. You know Jesus as the deliverer of Israel. Where Moses brought everybody through the Red Sea. And he, made, he found a way where there was no way. And Jesus, our deliverer, the deliverer for all of us, says, I will make a way where there is no way. I couldn't find a better way of putting it than what Moses said in chapter 1 of Deuteronomy. He said, the Lord is angry with me on your behalf. Jesus is like Moses. And the Lord was angry with him on our behalf. This is Jesus. He is a prophet. He is like Moses. And you can trust him to be for you all that Moses was for Israel. And lastly, listen to him. Why should I listen to him? I mean, this is a significant word. I mean, God actually says this about Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration in front of Moses. <laughs> with Peter and all of them. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Why should I listen to him? Well, a lot of people, maybe this is new for you that Jesus is a prophet like Moses, okay? And that's totally cool. We can study that together. If you have any questions, we can talk about that together. But guess what? There are a lot of people in the world who believe that about Jesus and just that. He's just a prophet. Well, yeah, he's a prophet. Okay, he's a prophet. Just like wh whoever. Muhammad, he's a prophet. He's a philosopher. He's a very smart person. He's a great rabbi. He, he's, he's a cult leader. He's a religious fanatic. Why should I listen to him when my opinion differs from him? Because we believe that Jesus 
Jesus is that voice. He not only is the prophet, but he's the voice. John chapter 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, the Word was with God. The Word became flesh. He's the voice. Listen to him. We actually have his words. So let me just say a few words from the Bible to kind of wash over this and, uh, and think about why we should listen to him. I mean, people who are around Jesus really saw him as somebody who was different, uh, right? He doesn't teach like other scribes and Pharisees. He teaches as one who actually has authority. There's something different about this man. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 says, In the past, God spoke to us through the prophets, right? But there's one who's, who's a prophet, but he's greater than the prophets. Because in these last days, he has spoken to us. He has spoken to us in his son, whom he has appointed, heir of all things, who is the exact radiance of his glory, who upholds all things by the power of his word. Moses, in, in, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 27, says, By faith, he was not afraid of Pharaoh, or the anger of Pharaoh. So he went out to the wilderness to see the invisible God. Well, Colossians 1.15 says, Jesus, he's the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn from all creation. All things were made by him and through him. Thrones, rulers, authorities, power. All things were made for him. Through it, everything is held together by him. He's the firstborn from the dead. He's the head of the church. Listen to him. So that in all things he might have the supremacy, the authority. Listen to him. Isaiah 55.3 says, Incline your ears unto me. Listen and you will live. Listen to the one who takes the hand of the adulterous woman and says, so neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Listen to the one who says, All who are weary and heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. Listen to him. Because there's competition for your ears and for your attention. There is another person out there who is called the father of lies. And ever since the garden, he's been saying things too. <laughs> he's been saying, did God really say that? He didn't really mean that. He didn't really mean you're supposed to be. Because God didn't mean that. You're not who he says you are. You're not who you think you are. I think that that's a good discernment piece. Practically, if you start hearing the word you in a sentence... Uh, in your heart and in your mind, you're probably starting to hear from the father of lies. Because Jesus says, the Holy Spirit will speak of me. He, he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. It's not about you. So I don't know where you're at. I don't know if we have music after. I think we do. Well, let's have the band come back up and...
I just want to point out a few things and, and bring our attention towards, a, towards a, a way that I think Jesus is really like Moses. Um, if Moses was anything, he was a shepherd. <laughs> really. But Moses, standing on Mount Nebo, I have a picture from Mount Nebo, was looking towards the promised land and he couldn't make it in there. Moses couldn't lead the, the people of God to the promised land. But guess who did? Somebody who had the exact same name as Jesus. Joshua. Yeshua. Where Moses fails us and where all of the prophets of old fades and fail us, Jesus doesn't. Where the shepherd Moses couldn't take us, the shepherd Jesus will take us. John chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus says, I am, I am the shepherd. He says, I know my sheep, and my sheep hear my voice. Listen to the voice of the shepherd. For no one will take them from my hand, he says. This is the hope of the church that he's going to come back for us. And this is the hope of all of our hearts. I hope really that we, we focus on the idea of this whole text is that there's one who is coming that we should be looking for. There's a lot of things that get in the way and clutter this up. But the Christian church is one who looks to the one who's coming. The spirit of the bride is the one that says, come. And listens to the voice of the one in Revelations twenty two twenty that says, I am coming soon. So just pray with me. Jesus, I believe that you have a plan. I believe that you are the plan. So please come and give us courage to be able to trust you. To trust that you have a plan for us and that we aren't to be the ones driving the bus. Jesus, I believe that you are greater, you're the greater Moses. That you're our, our Savior and our Redeemer. So give us, please, a heart to believe, to believe that that's who you are for us, Jesus. Believe enough to follow you, to follow you in this wilderness that we live in right now. This wilderness isn't just times when we're hurting. It's the entire existence before the promised land. All of our life before we get there, we are believing in you to be, to be our Savior and our, our Redeemer. So if any of us needs to receive you as, as the shepherd that you say you are, give us the ability and the courage to be able to follow you and to listen to your voice and show us the things that we're putting in our ears or the things that, that, are, that are wanting our attention, that are screaming for us to be able to listen to, listen to them. Show us those things that we're, so we can not be like the Israelites who, who uh, were talked about in the New Testament when they say, if you hear his voice today, do not harden your hearts like the Israelites did. If you hear his voice today, do not harden your hearts. Listen to him. 